It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. to rivals the rivals golden black went to on three um so uh, he's the new guy over there at hammer and rails we'll talk to him in uh, just a little bit about that um so uh, that's all coming up lots of Purdue basketball talk for you today some uh some local high school football talk so we are jam-packed with good stuff let's get it started it is the need to know news here's your need to know news And we'll uh, start the need-to-know news out here with uh, a little NBA last night. The Bulls fall 115-111 to the Pelicans. DeMar DeRozan with 33 points. Both teams shooting over 50% from the field. Bulls will host the Nuggets on Sunday, who were just down in Indianapolis last night to take on the Pacers. They pull off a 122-119 victory. Tyrese Halliburton, uh, 21 points, 12 assists. Mathurin off the bench again with 30 points last night. Paces, though, get it handed to him in the second half, 66-49. to That's the difference there. Next up, Saturday night game in Indy hosting the Raptors. Yesterday, signing day for uh, a lot of college athletes. Uh, let's go to what Purdue pulled in. Miles Colvin, the big recruit for Matt Painter yesterday. Um, of course, you know the lineage, man. Uh, sister plays volleyball. Dad was an absolute beast at football. Let's go. Looks great, too. Really seems like a heck of an athlete. That's exciting stuff. Dave Shondell inked the number three class in the country. Drew Roth in soccer brought in six new players, including uh, a star of Mexico's U-17 national team. Katie Gerald's added five new members to the Boilermakers with a 23rd-ranked class yesterday. Tony Ursland wrestling his sixth straight top 25 class grabbing uh, the number 17 and 33rd ranked prospect in the country. It was a good day for Boilermaker coaches. Speaking of good days, a good day for Jay Nivey last night. Listen to this. Career night for him against the Celtics. 19 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. Dude's averaging over 15 points a game right now. Had a double-double with 14 and 10 in the first half. Celtics clearly keyed in on him in the second, but still, that's pretty darn good. Uh, Reports from Colts practice note that Matt Ryan was on the field yesterday as the team continued to prepare to face the uh, Raiders. Jeff Saturday said Ellinger will start, though, so don't get uh, all excited. Um, The plan was for Ellinger to start the rest of the season, but now there is belief that Ryan could play again, despite the fact that uh, with his injury, that could save somewhat of $17 million. So, yeah, there's a bit of an incentive for him to not be out there for the Colts. Know what Jim Irsay has said. I'm just just telling you facts. Just telling you facts. Meanwhile, 
Uh, Frazier has said, you know, uh, the, the new offensive coordinator said he has talked with Frank Reich. He's exchanged some texts on play calling. We'll see how that all goes. I uh, have not gotten any reports from the field today about who is uh, on and uh, who is not, but we'll keep an eye out on that and uh, we'll see what's happening before they travel out to Las Vegas for the weekend. By the way, they did make a uh, roster move today. Philip Lindsay's been cut. Jake Funk added to the practice squad instead. Tonight, the Blackhawks are in action against the L.A. Kings. Hawks, a underdog in that one by a decent margin. They are 1-3-1 on the road so far this season. It's not been good. They do own a victory over the Kings from uh, about a week ago or so they played. 2-1, Taves had that OT goal, and that was all she wrote. But despite that, the road record uh, still sticks out. Blackhawks plus 220 on the money line here tonight. You can get them at the puck line at about even money, too, which uh, kind of feels a little bit like a steal, if I'm just speaking my mind on that. It's an interesting slate of hockey this evening. But there you go. That uh, That is your need to know news. All right, last night, how'd we do on our best bets? Uh, Zabinajad, uh, no, it wasn't Zabinajad. Oh, I had it all written down. We had the two hockey picks. They both hit. Uh, the one that we came up short with, remember, we talked about playing that little of a lottery of a, of a parlay with the Bulls in the, uh, and taking the two points in the over. Uh, just short on both of those. That's all right. You need both. That's why I told you I wasn't crazy about that game. But uh, I thought if we had to recommend something local, that's what I was going to go with. And I said to keep that... Keep that a small sprinkle, so uh, hopefully you listen if you did that. Tonight, we're back at it again. With three days in a row, we're making money here. Let's go. Let's keep it up. All right, tonight, taking a look at Thursday Night Football. I love Cordell Patterson. Cordell Patterson. He's great, man. I got him on fantasy. He's been injured. He comes back, scores those two touchdowns for Atlanta last week. I mean, Algiers, meh. Patterson, beast, though. I love that guy. He was great, like I said, last week. They they lose the Chargers, but he had both the touchdowns. Looked pretty good. Now, he does not leave the game with, uh, with the most rushing yards for them. Algiers had 10 for 99. It's one of his better performances. Chargers defense, hey, not exactly great against the rush. But Patterson, I thought, has been pretty darn solid so far this season. He has touchdowns in uh, four of his last five appearances, including that two last week where he had 13 attempts for 44 yards and the couple of touchdowns. Um, Also, we'll get uh, some passing targets here and there, too. Not a ton, uh, but he will get targeted in the pass game. Tonight, what you do need to know is there is rain in the forecast at Carolina. Uh, and a little bit of wind. So you got to take that a little bit in consideration here. Uh, they got a great passing defense for Carolina. They do, but I don't know how much they're going to need them tonight because I don't know that you're going to get a lot of the downfield bombs. It just seems like the weather forecast doesn't look great, but we're not exactly sure just how bad it's going to be at times. It's a little inconsistent at this point. Uh, and this was just the last time these two teams met. I mean, remember a very exciting finish two weeks ago. 37 to 34. 
I don't know that you're going to get another blowout like that. Rarely do you get two games like that in a season uh, where they go at it like that uh, in both games. I don't know if I'm going to expect that tonight. I will tell you this. Here's the trends that we're looking at this game. Since 2017, dogs, which is uh, Carolina, coming off a loss of 20 or more points, 102-68-2. That's 60% against the spread. But again, we it's hard to tell what the precipitation is going to be like. I like Cordero Patterson to score, but here's the problem. Every book has some kind of prop that boosts his odds. That terrifies me. Absolutely terrifies me that they know something that we don't. When they all align like that, it just makes me nervous. So if you're going to get in on it, I, I, I take it easy. DraftKings will give you a plus uh, boost of plus 200. If you're going to play it someplace, I play it there. But I am uh, I, I'm very reluctantly taking Atlanta tonight. I just think they're the better team. Panthers are a mess at quarterback. I mean, are they starting Baker? I still don't know that, right? I thought they were going to start Baker, but I see props for P.J. Walker, who, I don't know, the magic might be done with P.J. It just might be done. We'll see. But uh, reluctantly, I'll take Atlanta. They're the better rushing team. Uh, They can exploit uh, the ground game against a uh, poor Panthers rushing defense, especially if that weather is going to be bad. So I'm going to go with them. Now, again, we stay hot on hockey. Ones I want to let you know about tonight. Jonathan Taves, he's at even money here, a little bit in the plus just about for a point tonight. He has a point in eight of his last 11. Kings have given up over three and a half goals per game, and you're just taking a point. He can get the assist here. All right? Remember, he had the OT winner, two to one. I will uh, I'll roll with Taves here tonight. That's one three, one three and one is just not... That's tough on the road. They haven't been great on the road. Uh, Taves himself on the road has been uh, five games played, two goals, one assist. Uh, so it's not a it's three points in five games. That's not a bad trend for him. But I feel like uh, I want to go with the points here because uh, he just had a little he had a point streak just get snapped that had uh, run for let's see here one two three four five. Six seventy. He had a seven-game point streak that just got snapped against Winnipeg last week. He's had the week off. They've got some time to adjust to the West Coast. So uh, I'll take Taves tonight for a point. I also like Sebastian Ajo against the Oilers. Over two and a half shots on goal. He already averages 3.7 shots per game. And the Oilers give up the fifth most shots to um, his position. So the uh, fifth most to centers. So I like Sebastian Ajo over two and a half shots on goal. He's a little inconsistent, so don't go crazy there. Um, and then I will also let you in on this one. Marcus Mariota, under 160 yards passing. That's the mark tonight. He's missed that mark four out of the last five games. He's been under 160. The one game he did hit was the Carolina game, though. He does have Patterson back for this one, like we talked about earlier. Unpleasant weather. That might be something you want to look at. Those are trends that I want you to know. I'm definitely tonight on Taves for a point. I'll take Ajo as well, over two and a half shots on goal, because that's what I was able to get earlier here. Those are my plays this evening. Uh, I got a few other hockey plays, but I, I want to keep it uh, with my best bets, and, and that's what we got here tonight. Oh, also, uh, CJ McCollum, over two and a half threes. My guy tells me to take that, so uh, I'm on those bets tonight. We're going to take a break when we come back. 
Bobby Buckets, Bobby Riddell himself, the Harrison grad, and uh, the Keller guy on uh, the Purdue radio broadcast. He joins us next. We'll talk some Purdue hoops with him here on 1017 The Hammer and 1017. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. We're over to our Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, our good buddy, uh, Bobby Riddell, Bobby Buckets back with us, Harrison legend, and of course, uh, great Purdue basketball player now does the uh, Keller commentary alongside Rob Blackman on the radio calls here. Uh, Bobby, always great to catch up with you, man. Uh, it's a wonderful time of the year. Big Ten basketball is back. The league seems to be off to a uh, Solid start here. Everybody getting that uh, that first win on the uh, schedule. I mean, Minnesota tried their hardest to screw that up, but uh, even they managed to find a way to uh, win that game. Now, looking at a, a matchup tomorrow night against the Governors, I feel like the fan base is in a pretty good spot with this. I mean, there was a lot to like out of Tuesday night's game. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you would agree with that. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me on. First off, Jared, uh, always enjoy coming on and talk hoops, and I, I agree. I think. Certainly, as far as the uh, first games go, uh, things could be a lot worse, as you saw with you know, Louisville last night and a number of other teams who have uh, dropped their first game. You, you mentioned Minnesota barely scraping by by one. So for Purdue to come out and take care of business and handle a team by 30 that, uh, you know, I thought at least on paper might, you know, give Purdue some fits with some of their speed and athleticism. Uh, they had a number of uh, athletic dudes uh, with some decent size, so I, I thought they could, pre- you know, possibly prevent um, or present some issues for Purdue, especially with their young backcourt. But those those two young guys in the backcourt, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, were pretty unflappable that first game, and I thought Purdue uh, looked pretty good offensively sharing the basketball. And then what I was really most impressed with, just because I was a little disappointed in the defense coming off of the Truman State exhibition game, mm-hmm. but like we allowed. Uh, a number of good looks uh, that they either made or, or missed at times uh, that were just on some breakdowns on some simple stuff. I felt like Purdue really was locked in defensively. It played with a lot of energy. Um, it kind of showed with the number of turnovers, forced uh, deflections. And so I thought that was a huge welcome sign. I thought Zach Eady was a real presence on the interior, whether that was blocking shots or altering them. Um, so I, I thought that was a, a really positive development to see Purdue come out and, and honestly – especially in that first half, you know, you have a 19 point lead at half and uh, at 39 to 20 and really uh, the offense wasn't all that great. A lot of missed shots and, and the defense was pretty uh, legit to, to have a 19 point lead in that first half while not even playing offensively that great. So that was positive. I thought from a defensive perspective. I I know how hard it must be to just, just to play at that level. You certainly know how hard it is to play at that level. But to uh, not only be a freshman, uh, but to be a freshman at Purdue, where you know Matt Painter does not let you on the court if you can't play defense, and he's got two and and one in a very critical position of point guard, uh, bringing the ball up here. Just how amazing! Kind of put that in perspective for fans uh, to be a freshman at Purdue and to get those two starting spots there. How hard that is to uh, to uh, attain that role at Purdue. It's extremely difficult. There's no question, and I. You know, I saw both those guys uh, speak about this in an interview where they said, you know, the biggest change from high school to college is that speed of the game, and there's no question about that. Everyone's just faster, bigger, stronger. Uh, you know, there's uh, guys with a lot uh, more wingspan and athleticism than, than you're going to see at the high school level. So some of those passing lanes and driving lanes are 
not as open as they, they may have been the year before. So it, it's really impressive for those guys to be able to come in from day one. Uh, you know, Braden in particular, I think obviously what he's got going for him is he's already, you know, really got a nice um, physical frame to him for a guy who's a freshman. He's strong. He's, he's quick. Uh, you know, so from a physicality standpoint, I think he's already kind of up to snuff uh, as far as his capabilities, but it's still, you know, the speed of the game and, and everything adjusting to it and taking care of the basketball is still a huge adjustment. And uh, I think, you know, defensively, Braden clearly showed that he's going to be a level. Uh, he's quick. He's strong. He's got great instincts. And then I think Fletcher, I don't think he's ever going to be anyone who's a, you know, impact defender by any means, but I think he's a pretty smart guy. I think he knows angles and is going to be able to be a solid positional defender. Uh, and hopefully as time moves on, maybe, you know, he can become um, even better. You know, who knows? You know, you don't want to put uh, limits on anybody. I remember Dakota Mathias came in and you kind of thought he'd just be a solid positional defender throughout his career. And by the end, he was, you know, an all Big Ten level defender. So we don't want to cap Fletch uh, quite yet on the defensive end. But as of right now, I think he's going to be hopefully a solid positional defender that as he gets more reps, those guys will continue to learn the defensive system and um, be in the right places more often than not. We're talking with Bob Riddell here on our Hammerhead Hotline as uh, the Boilermakers get set to take on the Governors of Austin P on uh, Friday night. You know, you lose a lot of uh, leaders in that locker room in the offseason, guys like Travian Williams, guys like Jaden Ivey. Uh, you know these guys. Who, who, who steps up and is the leader, and what's that culture like in the locker room right now, you think? Who are the big leaders in that locker room? Sure, I think uh, certainly the guys with the most experience obviously makes a, a lot of sense, and uh, I know the captains are Ethan Morton and Mason Gillis, so I think those guys just by um, being designated as captains and, and having a lot of experience are certainly uh, two of those guys who have taken the lead um, from a leadership standpoint. Mason is fourth year in the program, Ethan is third year. Uh, Ethan, you know, a really cerebral guy. Um, Mason, a guy who's just got a lot of experience, uh, played a lot of minutes now throughout the course of his career. So uh, I think Mason's a vocal guy as well, which, which helps. You know, it's, it's it's great to lead by example, uh, but it's always nice to have one or two guys who uh, in that leadership type capacity that can raise their voice and, and get the guys going. Uh, if it's a sluggish practice or things of that nature, somebody who can rile, rile everybody up and uh, that people listen to. So I think Mason has done a nice job from what I've seen so far as being vocal. Um, and then Ethan as well. Brandon Newman, another guy who's a fourth-year player who I'm sure um, guys go to uh, to ask questions and things of that nature. So I think Purdue, um, even though, like you said, lost certainly a number of seniors from last year's team, I think uh, this team appears to have really nice team chemistry. They've spoken about that some in the preseason about how uh, the locker room and, and everything seems to be um, great as far as chemistry goes. So hopefully those um, guys are able to continue leading throughout the year and, and continue to build that chemistry. And you bring up a guy like uh, Newman here coming off the bench and uh, having a lot of success. Uh, it's kind of tough when you got a guy that shoots just as well as a lawyer uh, kind of being uh, right in front of you on that. It, it almost seems like Matt Painter's broken this up into, into two distinctive units and uh, they both seemingly offer something different, most notably there in that front court when you have uh, K-9 
Caleb first and Trey Kaufman Wren as opposed to Mason Gillis and Zach Eady. Um, I think that just gives Matt Painter so many options, and uh, it's kind of refreshing to see that, right? That you can, uh, it's almost like a, a small ball type lineup that they can put in there in that second unit and uh, keep opponents off guard. Uh, what do you like about that uh, that front court? I like a lot of things about that front court for sure. Certainly a number of the things you, you just pointed out. Uh, obviously last year, you know, that combination of Zach and Travion was terrific as well. Uh, two guys who had similar styles, but a little bit different ways they went about it at times. But you basically had two low post guys who you could depend on throwing the ball to and both could get you a bucket. Um, but what it did do, of course, was it did make you a little one-dimensional as far as what they both were capable of doing offensively and what they both were capable of doing defensively. So even though they were both great at it, it, it did make you more to one-dimensional, and, and that team still was really successful. But uh, this year's team with the, with those front court guys you mentioned, Trey Kaufman, Ren, and, and Caleb first coming off the bench, kind of those interchangeable power forward center spots. Uh, both those guys having that ability to step out, put the ball on the floor a little bit, uh, shoot the three. Um, both guys can post up a little bit. Trey Kaufman, Ren more than Caleb maybe, but um, I really like the defensive versatility that they're going to give Purdue too. I mean, certainly last year uh, when Purdue faced you know, any sort of mobile big who could step out and shoot the three or if they faced uh, teams that did a lot of high ball screen action with um, quick guards who would put those, you know, Zach or Travion in a little bit of a bind coming off the ball screen. Uh, you know, th- those were issues at times, and Purdue didn't have, you know, that versatility in their front court to, you know, show a different look, whereas I do like how now defensively this year, if Zach is out of the game, uh, Purdue can go to a different lineup with Caleb or Mason or Trey in that combination of the four or five spots. And those guys are all, all have that switchability where they can high hedge and, and have that speed to recover back to their uh, offensive player after they hedge. And it just gives Purdue some more options, um, which I think is nice because uh, it, it helps you maybe adjust more to different styles as the season goes on. I know next week we have the Gava games against Marquette, and that'll be a good matchup. But this uh, this trip out to Portland for the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament is uh, a heck of an opportunity. Uh, they'll take on West Virginia, and then, Lord willing, if they can win that game, they're probably playing Gonzaga. And uh, you got to hope they're still at the, uh, the the top of the charts there. Uh, is this team, you think, mentally ready for that kind of challenge? I'm being as young as they are in a couple of spots here. Uh, is this team ready to go out to Portland and compete? I think so. I mean, I think a lot of these guys are really competitive dudes, and you know that's certainly what Coach Paint has had to say uh, glowingly about his young guys. At least, is he just loves their intangibles. He loves how competitive they are, and so I think those guys are going to be, you know, chomping at the bit to to try to have that opportunity to go out there and um, prove some people wrong and show the people that this Purdue team is better than you know they were projected to start the year. Or, and so I think. Uh, I think that would be a really you know, fun opportunity for those guys to try to go make a statement, and it's going to be a great competition out there. It's going to be a really fun environment. So many great Nike schools get that invite. Uh, definitely neat that Purdue's going to be included with that group. And, yeah, it would certainly be fun to be able to uh, take down Huggy Bear in West Virginia in that first game. That'll be a really tough matchup just because of how well coached those Bob Huggins teams are year in and year out. But if you're able to win that one, uh, assuming Gonzaga, of course, beats 
Portland State, then you have that opportunity to play Gonzaga in the second round, a team that's you know ranked preseason top five at the moment. They play Michigan State on Friday tomorrow, so that'll be interesting to see how Gonzaga and Michigan State look in that matchup on the aircraft carrier. But <laughs> what would you have um, give to play on an aircraft carrier when you were still had your eligibility? How much fun would that have been? <laughs> oh, I mean the pomp and circumstance around it and everything would be neat, of course. Uh, I'm not sure what it would be like to shoot uh, on one of those. <laughs> uh, if there's even a slight gust of wind, uh, anybody who's a perimeter shooter is in trouble which was uh, the only thing I was bringing to the table, essentially. So <laughs> I'm not sure how much it would help someone like me. Uh, but assuming that playing conditions are half decent, it would be uh, a neat experience, certainly. You're, 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 the, Billy Hole, uh, you're the Billy Hoyle shooting uh, down there on the beach against Wesley Snipes. That wind will blow that ball <laughs> in two to three inches each way. It's Bobby Riddell on with us here. Uh, again, uh, enjoy him and uh, Rob on the radio call for uh, all your Purdue men's basketball games. They do such a great job. Bob, it's always great talking with you, my friend, and uh, looking forward to a, uh, another win on Friday night and listening in. Yep, sounds good, Jared. Appreciate you having me. And welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. We're over to our Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Coach Shane Fry is on with us. West Lafayette Red Devils. Uh, they scoop up another sectional title, 44-17 over Hanover Central last week. And now they will head up to Knox for a shot at a regional game. First off, Coach, uh, congratulations. Uh, yet another sectional title for you guys. Uh, you do that on the road at Hanover Central last week in very convincing fashion. I mean, this is the kind of stuff I expect out of you guys uh, at this time of the year, just uh, going on the road and uh, taking care of business. Uh, it's nice to have another trophy in the case, isn't it? Yeah, thank you. Uh, it was a heck of a heck of a trip and, and a heck of a game. Our guys were keyed up all week. And, uh, you know, like I said before, you just with a road trip like that, you never know. But, uh, I think our guys have kind of gotten used to it, and uh, they're excited to play, and, and it showed Friday night. Yeah, uh, a good one there, and, and we thought that was going to be a, a heck of a uh, battle for you guys, too, against uh, what sixth-ranked team here in, uh, in 3A. And uh, really, here, this is where this is the number I circled right here, fourth quarter, 14 to nothing. That's, uh, that's keeping the pressure on. Not everybody's able to do that. Not everybody's able to resist that uh, last gasp, but to you guys, again, Great job in the second half, really twenty-one to three in the second half. Uh, I think is a real testament to your defensive play last week. For sure, um, you know that's how we try to build our football team is to play four quarters and to outlast, you know, anyone we play. And you know the game can be close at the start, but you know if we just keep trucking and stay in it, we feel like um, by the end, you know, our endurance will will show and and we'll be able to come out on top and. That's what happened Friday night. You know, we didn't get off to the greatest start ever, but, uh, you know, our guys never got worried or frustrated and just kept playing hard in the second half. Um, I thought both our fronts, our offensive line, our defensive line, completely dominated the game, and, and that's what ended up happening. Poor Max Mullis. I can't believe he missed one pass the entire game. 13 of 14 for 179, two touchdowns. What happened on the one pass? Was it his fault or did somebody drop it on him? Uh, no, it was a good, a good question because when he threw it, a couple of us on the sideline said, what was that? So we don't know exactly what happened. Um, I think he got spooked by a blitz, I think, and, and let it fly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't complain with those numbers. But, yeah, we give him a hard time, a hard time for that one pass. Yeah, there, there, there goes Mr. Football, Indiana, right there. Out of the running now, <laughs> yeah. buddy. If you would have had 14-14, it would have been something. You know, if, yeah. I if I would have gone back to you in August and said, listen, you're playing in November, but Dawson Martin's carrying the ball 40 times. 
you would have looked at me like I was a crazy person. But I know we talk about his evolution a lot, but this is your fourth string guy. You gave him the ball 40 times last week. That's uh, that's incredible uh, just how well he's been able to carry the rock for you guys down the stretch. Yeah, he did an awesome job. Um, and, and, you know, that, that wasn't the game plan going in. Uh, the wind was blowing about 30 miles an hour, and the way they were playing um, just uh, was conducive to us handing the ball off to Dawson. So um, we always say we're going to take whatever the defense allows us to do, and it was kind of a game where we got a lot of plays. Um, I think we were 90-some offensive snaps, so uh, Dawson ended up with 40 carries, which is a ton, but you couldn't tell. I mean, he was just going as strong in the fourth quarter as he was in the first quarter. He, he did a great job. Yeah, boy, that's uh, that's just uh, an incredible number uh, for him. And uh, like I said, just just his journey this year has been really remarkable. We're talking with Shane Fry here on our uh, Hammerhead Hotline. Now, the regional against Knox, um, a, a nine and three squad that uh, has really—it seems like they've been playing some pretty decent defense down the stretch here as well. They went forty-two to twenty-one out there at Jimtown, a, a team that puts up forty-one points per game. It, it, That'll definitely uh, definitely test your defense yet again this week. Yeah, they, they're a really good football team. Um, boy, they play hard, and they're tough, tough kids. Uh, Coach Racky's been doing this uh, longer than most of our coaching staff has been alive, so he knows what he's doing, obviously, and the kids are buying into it. Um, you know, they've, they've, got a, they've got an offense and a culture where, you know, kind of like Rensselaer or Western, they, they want to, you know, three yards and a cloud of dust and, and – keep the other team's offense off the field and control the game that way, and they've done a great job doing that. And uh, we're going to have to be on it, and we're going to have to be very disciplined on defense and and be able to get them off the field. When you talk about an offense like that, does that, uh, I mean, it, does that harken back to playing like a, a Rensselaer Central type of uh, team then? Is, is, is that how uh, you kind of approach this? Yeah, it's, it is a lot like Rensselaer or Western. Um, the difference would be, uh, you know, Western and Rensselaer kind of run one offense in 50 different plays. And uh, Knox is a little bit the opposite. They, they run about 50 different formations, but they only have a few plays. They just try to, you know, get your eyes in the wrong spot and, and be able to gas you that way. So, you know, we've got to be ready to go. And, and our guys have done a good job this week with film study and trying to get used to it but you know it's going to be different once you get on the field you got to adjust and and we will have to figure it out quick coach shane fry the west side red devils uh, again they're going to take on uh, knox here uh on the road this week for the regional if uh they win it looks like uh you'll be playing at home against i, I don't want to i don't want to speak for anybody here but it looks like you guys would uh be at home uh against a uh, really tough uh Chittard team uh, so uh, that would be a uh, tremendous matchup if uh, if we can get to that one week at a time. I know how you are there, but uh, it's it setting up really, really well, uh, I think, for you guys here. So, uh, again, excited to talk football with you as always. Uh, really looking forward to you to picking up another uh, regional title and, and talking again on uh, next Thursday about what's going to happen in the semi-state, Coach. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks. Welcome back to Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Jesselitis. We're going to go over to our Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. All right, about a couple of weeks ago here, it was the great migration of Purdue bloggers. Uh, we had uh, Golden Black moving on, which meant some moved on to rivals, some new faces uh, showed up to uh, Hammer and Rails, and we've got one of those new faces on with us right now. Uh, Jed Wilkinson, who now uh, writes over at Hammer and Rails. 
uh, to talk a little bit of uh, Boilermaker Hoops for you. Uh, Jed, hey, welcome to the show, buddy. Great to have you on. Um, you know, feeling pretty good coming out of that Tuesday night game, right? Uh, the exhibition was all right, but it's Truman State. Uh, not that Milwaukee posed the greatest threat to you, but I-, I thought there were a lot more positives to take away from that game than there were negatives. How about you? Yeah, the um, I think the overwhelming majority of, uh, I think, fans really saw what many would classify as a kind of classic Matt Painter type, you know, kind of grimy, in-your-face kind of defensive team and then uh, an offensive team that really kind of shared the ball probably better than we've seen probably in the last couple seasons. Uh, a lot of ball movement that found a lot of open shooters, um, especially in transition. Well, I mean, that's kind of what this lineup requires, right? I mean, there is no Jaden Ivey. I know you got Zach Eady in the middle, and they want to feed him a bunch, but uh, there is that they just don't have that dump it into the post every kind of play uh, demanding type player right now, and they don't have uh, a superstar in the wing like a Carson Edwards or, or Jaden Ivey. So, I mean, that's kind of the way they have to play, right? Yeah, you know, they don't have uh, anybody that can kind of go a bucket. You know, like Jaden Ivey was just so supremely uh, athletically gifted. You saw it jump out even recently in the NBA where, you know, he is probably, notwithstanding John Morant, probably one of the most athletically gifted guys in the NBA. And Purdue just doesn't have that this year. And so you kind of have to go and manufacture those sort of opportunities through, um, you know, ball movement and screens and attention to detail. And uh, I think that's the one thing that really jumped out at you with the two young guys, uh, you know, Lawyer and Smith. Smith having seven assists, which is, you know, one away from, a program record for a single game, and obviously that's a, a freshman record. And then Lawyer, who, you know, kind of, I think, surprised a lot of people. Everybody kind of knew him for his offensive prowess coming in. Obviously the, uh, you know, the 2022 high school national three-point champion. But you go back and you watch that game, and he really does a good job on the defensive end, um, you know, really uh, focusing on the details and the fundamentals, which I think lacked the last, uh, two years where they were really, really an offensively-minded team. And this year, you know, you look at specifically the two young guys, Smith and Lawyers, attention to detail and on-ball screen defense really didn't put Zach in any sort of bad positions on defense. He was able to really kind of roll and get back into the paint, whereas I think last year and the, uh, the year before that, the wings kind of put him in bad situations. He's just not a real great defender in space especially in the pick-and-roll and the pick-and-pop. And you saw against Milwaukee that the Wings did a much better job of putting him in a really good position, which you put Edie in a good position on defense in the lane, he's going to affect shots just because he's 7'4", and he's 7'10", reaching above his head. Well, too, that's uh, something I brought up with uh, Bobby Buckets earlier, the fact that, you know, not only is it, uh, amazing that you had two freshmen starting in two very important positions, but you know Matt Boehner does not let guys on the court who don't know how to to, to play defense. And uh, both these guys have proven trustworthy enough to be able to do that. I mean, really, if you're looking for uh, amazement for these freshmen, I think that's you start right there. It's the ability to play defense. Yeah, and, and that's something that uh, you know we as Peru fans have kind of come to uh, recognize. You know, I, I don't know of any other places. Uh, in the country that hang a sign that counts the opposing team's turnovers. And so 
you know, that's that's something that I think, you know, Gene Cady hung his hat on for, you know, the better part of 20 years, and Painter really hung his hat on it, is that, that defensive intensity. And, and that's right that, you know, Matt Painter is going to play guys that he trusts, and he's going to play guys that he knows are going to do what he needs them to do. The fact that, you know, those two freshmen are able to come in and start, especially when you take into consideration that, you know, David Jenkins Jr. has played Division One basketball now in three different places. He's had 88 starts. Brandon Newman has started, uh, I think, 22 games in his, uh, in his career, 24. Uh, Caleb First also coming off the bench with 12 starts uh, as a freshman last year. So you've got 119 starts sitting on the bench coming in for these young guys. So it's not just, I mean, it's not that they're, they're good because they're very, very good freshmen, but the fact that they're able to start over two very experienced guards in Newman and Jenkins, I think, speaks volumes to what we can expect from these guys, not only just this year, but over the next really three to four years. You know, Jed, does it feel like, too, that these uh, players understand what their role is exactly? Like, it seems like everybody has a defined role already here, um, and, and they're, not, they're not struggling for that identity like they might have over the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think that's something that uh, Coach Painter has really stressed on. Uh, you know, he, he spoke about that, um, uh, you know, it might have been last year or the year before, where he talks about, you know, hey, every one of these guys that comes and plays Division One basketball, especially at Purdue, like, they were the dude at their high school. You know, Ethan Morton, you know, was the guy at his high school. He had the ball in his hand. He was scoring 20, 30 points. And he talked about this concept that, hey, I got this many points in my head. And so, you know, look at Braden Smith, who's a four-year starter down at Westfield. You know, he was a 20, 30-point-a-night guy. And for him to come in and play to that role of, hey, we don't need you to score. He's probably the fifth option out there with the starters you know, a fourth option at best. And for him to come in and say, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm the fourth option, I'm the fifth option, that's okay. Um, you know, that role, when you can play to it as a group, I think this is a team, you know, like we mentioned previously, we don't have a Jaden Ivey. We don't have that supremely athletic guy. But when you get five guys that know their roles, they're clearly defined, they play to them, both offensively and defensively, that's a team that can overcome those deficiencies. And I think Coach Brandon Brantley mentioned that, that they know that they have some deficiencies on this team, but they're deficiencies that they can overcome. And I think, like you mentioned, playing to the roles that are expected of them is one of those ways that they can really get over those uh, deficiencies. We're talking with Jed Wilkinson here uh, from Hammer and Rails on SB Nation on our uh, Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, let's get set for tomorrow night. Austin P. and the uh, Governors, what do you still need to see out of this team uh, before they uh, really start opening up play next week when they got to take on uh, Marquette and then, of course, the uh, Phil Knight Legacy Tournament? Well, I think, um, you know, one of the things that we, we kind of like to see a little bit more is, you know, if Jenkins isn't able to go uh, with probably the nastiest black eye I think, I think anybody's ever seen, um, you know, who's going to be that second guy to bring the ball up after Braden Smith? You know, watching him, he moves differently in the backcourt than I think, you know, for everything that Eric Hunter Jr. and Isaiah Thompson were, they weren't sort of that primary ball handler type of guard. And you can see the difference in the way that, you know, Smith kind of brings the ball up. So who brings the ball up when he's off the court? You know, Ethan Morton struggled in that capacity. 
against Milwaukee. Fletcher Lawyer got the opportunity there uh, kind of late, late in the game. So who's the, who's the ball handler when Smith isn't on the floor, especially when teams probably try to go to press uh, Purdue? So that's, that's probably one of the big keys that I'd like to see from them. Then also just that continuing focus on uh, the defensive uh, fundamentals in, in, the, in the pick and roll and the pick and pop. Um, the last couple of years we've seen teams just kind of, especially Rutgers, just kind of go to that very basic high ball screen, get uh, Edie out in space and uh, sort of in, uh, in flux there, and then they're able to kind of get around him and then find, find some open shooters on the wing. So um, I, I really want to see that continued improvement and those, that attention to detail where he can kind of drop and, and stay, keep guys in front of him. And then uh, uh, just the continuation of, uh, of sharing the ball. Ball movement is really key. Um, and, you know, passing up good shots for great shots. That's another key that, that Coach Painter talks frequently about is, you know, they can get good shots, but sometimes the best shot is that next pass away, and I think we really saw that against Milwaukee, um, and I'd like to see that continue uh, against the, uh, the Governors on Friday. Jed Wilkinson again from uh, Hammer and Rails. He's uh, new over there. You can check out his writings and uh, follow along with your Boilermakers all season long. Jed, hey, well, appreciate the call, man, uh, and enjoy tomorrow night's game. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Don't forget to check out hammerandrails.com, uh, and we're also on Twitter, Hammer.